The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And you're listening to the Chris and Joe Show presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, as always, joined by Chris Flum. And as we do on every Tuesday morning, we are giving you the breakdown and analysis from the game, analyzing the film, and letting you know the positives and negatives from both sides of the ball that we took away from it. And this is a game that it was very tough to conjure up many complete positives because of the manner in which the New York Giants lost to their in-stadium, in-state rival, the New York Jets. They ended up falling 34-27, to and that loss stings the most because this Jets team was arguably one of the worst in the league after losing to the Miami Dolphins. We're now actually on a winning streak. So the Giants managed to find ways to push themselves down even further when they have plenty of wonderful opportunities to get easy victories. And we're going to be discussing all the things that really hurt them in this game, especially with their positives and and being able to say the things that, that they did well but did not do enough of. So kicking things off, though, offensively, the positives that we had from this game. And the one thing that we noticed was that the slants and the screens in this game really worked very, very well because the Giants playmakers were able to take simple route concepts, get a little bit of space, turn up the field, and get long touchdowns. Yeah, really, the run after catch was huge in this game. You know, we saw the 60-yard touchdown by Golden Tate, the 39-yard touch, 39 touchdown by Slayton, saw long runs from Red Ellison. Saquon Barkley's only play in this game was a nice catch and run for 22 yards. So the Giants were able to take advantage of the Jets' we'll say porous, okay, bad, secondary, some bad tackling, and really turn those short passes into big gains. And that was really what kept them in this game offensively. Yeah, when we talk about the things that really worked for the Giants, it it opened our eyes to, or not open our eyes because we were fully aware of it at this point in the season, but it it added to the fact that of what we keep saying where the Giants need to be smart in getting the ball out quickly and running those short to intermediate passing concepts. But it, it makes us question, though, the decision-making from the play calling in this game because they didn't do it really that often. A lot of plays, which we'll be getting to in the negatives, a lot of these plays took way too long to develop, and Daniel Jones was getting sacked or hit on most of them. So if, if these types of things are working, the Giants need to find ways to 
come back to them, use them further down the line in the game. And if you're able to manufacture those yards with a simple dump off, a simple screen, a simple slant, it'll, it'll essentially alleviate some pressure from the pass rush too because instead of being overly aggressive and blitzing, they'll be more on their heels and maybe they'll come out in a nickel package or they'll be less willing to put so many guys in the box and come after Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Yeah, now the Jets were able to pretty much win the line of scrimmage. Both teams were able to win the line of scrimmage on defense with light boxes. Neither defense had to commit a whole lot of players to eight, nine-man boxes to stop the run. So that was working in the favor of both defenses. But the Giants were able to get some get the quick passing game to be productive, which is good. But as you said, they did rely a little too much on long developing plays. And I'm pretty much always a proponent of looking down the field in the passing game. You know, the the value there is really like the, that 10 to 15 yard down the field zone. And it shouldn't take four or five seconds for an, for an NFL caliber receiver or even a high school receiver to get that far down the field. You know, these are guys who will conservatively say, run a four or five forty. It shouldn't take that long to get down the field and find a little bit of open grass. You know, it, sh- it shouldn't take five seconds to run 15 yards. That leads into our first negative that we have here. And that was what I mentioned. And what Chris just mentioned is that the giants keep running these slow, long developing plays that were resulting in hits on Daniel Jones and, and inevitably were resulting in sacks on him as well. It, it, the thing that really doesn't make much sense is that choosing to do that when you have three new offensive linemen in you're you're essentially setting up Daniel Jones to be a sitting duck because there's not a much not much time to to throw there's not a lot of room to throw so you might as well try to get the offense into a rhythm by getting the ball out quickly finding um, open receivers in space And, and like you said if you can push the ball downfield at 10 to 15 yards that's effective. But right now that has not been working for the Giants because there has not been thorough and, and strong enough pass protection. The Giants, like you said, the Giants are putting Daniel Jones in a bad position. They're also putting their offensive line in just bad positions and asking them to hold up for four or five seconds in pass protection, which even though the Jets don't have a great pass rush, they still struggle to do. They're are ways to help out a struggling offensive line you can run those quick plays you know a seven yard slant you can use bootlegs and rollouts you can run rpos yeah these are quick easy ways to take the pressure off of both the quarterback and the offensive line and it's something the giants just they just don't seem to want to do yeah they seem to be sticking to the same thing that is not working on a weekly basis. The other negative that we have here, and we, we spoke about the quick t- in the quick takes, how the offensive linemen was re- were really, really bad in pass protection and in run protect- protection because of how many new guys they had stepping in in this game because of injuries to key veteran players. But a player that kind of stuck out on the film when we went back and watched that we didn't notice the first time that had a really bad day in pass protection was Saquon Barkley. There were two plays where he allowed Jamal Adams to come in, blow him up, and then make contact on Daniel Jones. One of them was a strip 
fumble that was recovered by Saquon, and then the second one was the infamous play that was all over Twitter and the rest of the internet that Jamal Adams ripped the ball out of his hands and ran right into the end zone. So Saquon clearly did not look like himself at all in this game. He almost looked like he took a step backward in his overall health and his demeanor. He just he did not seem 100% right, and it was so clear in seeing him not playing well in something that he's usually pretty good at. Since coming back from the injury, his pass protection has been, I'll say, questionable. I don't think his ankle is to the point where he can anchor against pass rushers. You know, we saw him giving ground, kind of just more or less trying to buy time rather than step up and aggressively hit pass rushers and try to stop them, which if you're a running back in pass protection, that's what you have to do. If we think back a few years, that's what Ahmad Bradshaw did, and he was always the best pass protecting running back in the NFL because he would step up and deliver shots to pass rushers, get his hands on them, and then anchor. Barkley just isn't doing that, and by the end of the game, the Giants were pulling him off the field in passing situations. As dangerous as he can be with the ball in his hands, if you can't rely on him for pass protection, that kind of is the right choice. By the end of the game, Wayne Gallman was pretty obviously the Giants' best running back. Yeah, it made you wonder why they didn't make that decision sooner because Gallman is the more healthy running back. He is not getting a lot of snaps or touches. And right now, Saquon is not at full health. So if he's not ready to play and able to play, why would you force him to go out there and continue to aggravate an injury that is taking a long time to heal? Uh, I know a lot of people want to assume Saquon is a superhuman, but an injury is an injury. It's going to take him a while till he's actually back to full strength. And at the same time, there's also the mental side of things that are going to nag him. Even if he's 100% healthy, he's still going to be a bit wary and not as aggressive in making cuts and trying to use his his, uh, his ankle. So they needed to have gotten Wayne Gallman in sooner. And if Saquon still isn't healthy after the bye week, you would hope that Wayne Gallman is getting some more touches and they try to alleviate some of that pressure from Saquon. Yeah, and they also do have Buck Allen on the roster, which, again, he isn't anything like Saquon as a player. He probably isn't even as good as Wayne Gallman. But he is there. He is healthy. He does have the skill set to execute their entire offense. The Giants might want to look at actually using a running back rotation and not have Saquon be the bell cow and you know rotate Wayne Gallman on when Barkley just either needs a rest or it just isn't working. They will probably have to be more proactive with their running backs going forwards. Yeah, I think they really just assumed that because Saquon was able to play did not mean he was fully ready to return to his same workload. Uh, Something does need to be done to better protect him for his longevity because him missing some snaps here and there in a a two and eight season is not that big of a deal when you want to keep your second year running back for as long as possible and healthy as long as possible. So uh, they need to be a little bit more smarter and a little bit more proactive, like you said. We're going to take a look at the defensive positives and negatives, but before we do that, we're going to take a very short commercial break. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. 
Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. So defensively, Giants had an interesting game because there were really some decent positives from it, and it does not statistically look like they lost this game based on what they gave up, but they still ended up giving up certain situations that led to this Jets victory. But the first positive we did have from this, and the only positive we had, was they actually did a really good job of playing the run. And as much as that might not have been the deciding factor in this game, they were able to hold them to only 76 rushing yards. A lot of those yards were picked up by Sam Darnold on some uh, scrambles because there were no available options. And they were also able to hold Le'Veon Bell to 1.9 yards per carry and 34 yards. So an elite running back with a bad offensive line in front of them, in front of him, they were able to at least take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah, and just when you lay it out like that, it's kind of scary how similar the Jets and Giants are right now. They have both squads have an elite running back who is battling injuries. They both have bad offensive lines. In this game, their running their quarterback was their best running back. Both teams were able to effectively shut down the other team's running game. It's considering the way the Jets are perceived, that's probably not great a great thing to realize for the Giants. But they did take advantage of that opportunity. One of the interesting things I noticed was that they played Dexter Lawrence at the nose more than they probably have to date. I noticed that he was at nose tackle a fair bit, and that was even with Dalvin Tomlinson on the field. They played him at defensive end a few times. Also, I noticed that uh, we didn't see much from B.J. Hill, which is the second week in a row that's happened. I think with with Leonard Williams on the squad, it it is looking like B.J. Hill might be the odd man out, which... In this case, it did work out. We did see Leonard Williams in the Jets' backfield quite a bit. Once again, he got close to the quarterback quite a bit. The Giants were able to just choke out and suffocate the Jets' running game. And this was something we prescribed in the preview. They they effectively forced Sam Darnold to win the game. But Darnold didn't turn the ball over. Yeah, Darnold did not have any turnovers and... That was some of the things that kind of worked our way into our negatives. But the first negative that we had from this game was when you go back and look that they, the Giants didn't really allow that many third down conversions. They only allowed four. But there were a number of third and longs where the defense was all set to get off the field and something ended up happening that resulted in a first down. It was a lot of deep throws past the sticks or the most notable Sam Darnold scramble and I think I, I think it was a third and seven he was able to pick up a first down so the those types of things you, you need to be a lot more effective on defense and essentially you want to you have the offense on their heels in those plays and instead the Giants defense was on their heels and gave up like I said multiple third and longs yeah that one scramble by Sam Darnold he picked up 24 yards and I believe you're right I believe it was a third and seven the entire defense just had their backs to him. And when you have a quarterback that you know can scramble, you have to at least keep one eye on him. And 
Darnold's ability to convert those third and longs. Yeah, you know, there were a couple where there was no defense. The one that really stands out to me was the one where Darnold was wrapped up and being tackled, and he still managed to convert that third down, and it was a long one. It, I'm not quite sure how you defend that. Pretty much any other time, nine times out of ten, defense did its job. You either got the sack, the incomplete pass, you're jogging off the field feeling good about yourself. But even so, we saw the kind of some of the similar breakdowns in coverage. We saw penalties at just bad times. And a lot of the problems that have plagued this defense all season long. A lot of things that were plaguing them. And this final negative is a really a reoccurring one on different weeks here and there. This one was the fact that they kept getting killed on crossing routes and a lot of throws over the middle, whether it was like a simple uh, hitch concept or um, drags across the field. Things like that were wide open for the Jets to convert on. And because they have some faster receivers like Jamison Crowder, they were able to stretch five yards of space and turn it into a 15-plus yard gain. So stuff like that is just need, needs to be better. There's poor linebacker play if they're not able to, if they're not there to disrupt those routes and and keep them from having an unscathed path to get the football. And, uh, and a little bit also comes down to some poor tackling. There were instances where they were able to make some plays and some tackles on those types of uh, route concepts and uh, the Jets receivers were able to break tackles, which something we say every single week. Poor tackling, which ultimately comes down to poor coaching. There were quite a few instances where the Giants, they had players in the vicinity, but they were just out of position. That kind of forces them to have to lunge, and those tackles, you know, players can run right through them. Bad angles, not wrapping up securely. There were a few instances, like um, Alec Ogletree breaking up a pass that probably would have been a first down to Demarius Thomas. Antoine Bethea actually had a couple nice tackles coming downhill. Like you said, just poor tackling continues to be a problem. It is poor play, poor coaching. It isn't a it isn't a problem with any one solution or any one thing causing it. There are it is a symptom of a whole lot of different problems with the Giants. The final point we have here and if you recall from previous shows folks if we ever have anything wrong with special teams, we are going to address it. And this game, there were some glaring errors on point-after attempts, of all things. So in the special teams game, if you recall, there was a bad snap that caused a odd scrambling situation by Riley Dixon and an, an obvious situation where he wasn't even going to get the ball off and complete it because it was not planned, it was not schemed. I saw some people on Twitter asking why they went for two there. That was not designed. That was not intentional. It was a bad snap that was mishandled. Uh, bad snap by Zach Diossi, the long snapper. Not in the right location. Could not handle it. Could not get it down. And that kind of thing, if you have a bad snap on a PAT, it's going to mess up the rhythm of your kicker because next time he goes out there to kick one, he's going to be looking down. He's going to be worried that the ball is going to be there. He's going to be worried that everything is set and, and like it needs to be. And I think that was the reason why Rosas missed the second one. So that's that's two points that were taken off the board that would have given the Giants 28 because they wouldn't have ended up needing to go for two, given them 28, and they would have been down by six points instead of seven. Yeah, it's little things like that that they have a, a ripple effect on the whole, on the rest of the game, which this is what 
one reason why I love our kind of special teams rants. It's the side of the ball nobody ever really notices, but it has a profound effect on the offense and the defense. There are hidden yards, hidden points, just little things that everybody always takes for granted, but they show up big time when they're not there. Or on the inverse, if special teams has a great play, that also shows up big time for the offense or the defense. One thing that was kind of interesting is just how many ball handling issues the Giants had this game. Had the bad snap from Diossi, which is something that doesn't happen often. Had the snap a bit, a snap which Daniel Jones just let go right through his fingers for a fumble. And then later in the game, there was the play that almost looked like a fumble where the ball was obviously coming out as Jones threw it. Basically, it, it looked like he got hit. You know, In real time, it looked like he got hit, and that was enough to jar the ball loose. But when they showed the replay in slow motion, you could actually see the ball come loose and his hand twisting around backwards as he was throwing the ball. And that could have been, you know, that wasn't a fumble because his arm was moving, but that was something that could have been very bad if there was a defender in the area. So I wonder if maybe the ball was slick for some reason. Just the number of ball handling problems stood out to me. And that even with the way both of these teams were playing, that was just kind of weird. Yeah. And having that many issues with proper handling of the football it really comes down to an attention to detail. It just comes down to what the coaches are emphasizing in practice, if they're trying to make sure everything is clean and efficient or if they're okay with the status quo. So I'm hoping in the bye week more adjustments are made and a lot is more focused on being cleaner in those things. Um, I also I don't think it would likely happen, but if Diasi has another bad game like this, don't be surprised if they choose to move on because Diasi is towards the latter end of his career and something that some people might not recognize, but I'm very aware of is that the market for specialists is that if you make consecutive mistakes, they will immediately pull the plug and get rid of you. So Diase is probably going to be hoping to have a better performance and and step up from that. That's going to be it from us though, folks. Thank you for tuning in as always. Be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. And also follow us on social media at Big Blue View, at Joe DeLeon, and at Raptor MKII. Have a wonderful rest of your day.